The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. Did I say good? Maybe just in case. Okay. Go. Bread and Butter podcast. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. <clears throat> Bread and Better Podcast. Hi, I am Tegan, owner of the online lifestyle coaching business Fitty Teagues and one half of the Bread and Better Podcast. And I'm Alex, the other half of the Bread and Better Podcast. I'm a writer and the owner of Hey Our Productions. The Bread and Better podcast is focused around the issues that affect women in their late 20s to late 30s with a specific focus on nutrition, movement, mindset, and body image, as well as how the issues that affect us affect those that we influence, our kids and our loved ones. Today's app will be centered around how to restart your health journey in a way that feels good for you. As you guys know by now, we love to start each episode with our favorite thing that we ate during the week. So Tegan, what was yours? So this week, I'm actually bringing us something that I made myself. So it was a new recipe. However, it turned out a little bit ugly, so it probably won't be on an Instagram reel anytime soon. Ugly food tastes the best. It does. I might actually make a bloopers reel of all the things I make that are too ugly to share (laughs) with that Titanic recorder. Oh, my God, Music, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Uh, So what I made is I marinated some chicken thigh in like a yogurt and Greek seasoning dressing and I baked that in the oven and then we had it just with some like rice and Greek salad with balsamic glaze and some homemade tzatziki as like a dinner and it was chef's kiss. Sounds so good. I am obsessed with balsamic glaze. It's my favorite. It's so good. It's so good. It elevates everything. Yeah. I like put it on my carrots before I roast them. Yeah. And my beetroot, everything. Salad dressing. Yes. The best. I do this really nice steak dressing and it's, well, I mean, I use olivani instead of butter and it's olivani, rosemary and balsamic glaze. What's olivani? It's like um, butter made of olive oil. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you kind of like cook that in the pan and then you pour it over the steak and it's like to die for. Yum. Mm, It's really good. So what was yours though? Well, as you know, I was (laughs) pretty sick during the week. Um, after a glutening. So I've had to really go back to my um, like FODMAP kind of diet and eat my really safe foods. Um, And my favorite treat in the world is called Little Moons. Have you ever seen them? Never. So they're little like they're in Woolies and they're just like little mochi balls. Okay. Yeah. And they're gluten-free and dairy-free. And they're just so yummy. I haven't actually ever had mochi. Haven't you? I didn't even know how to say it until right now. Really? Oh, my God. It's my favourite thing. It's like rice dough on the outside and then ice cream on the inside. Oh, so it's frozen. Yeah, it's frozen. But you take it out of the freezer and you wait like a minute for it to defrost a little bit. It's like a little bit soft. Is it like chewy? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the best. So there's a chocolate hazelnut one. And then my favourite one is like mango and the outside's like purple yam. Yum. Yeah, they're okay. really good. And um, you're supposed to have like one a day or something, but I'll smash like four in a sitting. Is that like on the serving size? Yeah. Yeah. Serving sizes are always a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But if you understand how to track calories, it's not really an issue. And this is what you're going to help us with. That's what we're going to talk about today. Excellent. 
So for today's episode, I wanted to ask Tegan some questions about getting started again on my health and fitness journey. But we thought before we did that, it'd be really great to hear a bit about your career and how you got to where you are today in the fitness industry. So take it away. Thanks, Alex. So we'll keep it short and sweet. I do love the fitness industry and I could talk about it all day long. Mm. Um, So my journey in the fitness industry started in 2016 when I was working as a chef. I started focusing on my own health and fitness a little bit more um, as a way to deal with kind of declining mental health because I was really struggling in my job at the time. Just wasn't really having job satisfaction and I felt like there was nowhere to go. So I was going to fitness first at the time and I asked one of my friends who worked there to pair me up with a PT that he thought would be a really good match for me. Um, And I was paired up with Dan, who became my first mentor in the fitness industry. So he was my PT for about a year. And then I decided to go and study fitness just purely to be able to train myself. Like I wanted to be able to walk onto the gym floor and feel really confident to do anything in there and not have to worry about someone showing me or whether I was doing it wrong and being able to train properly. So started studying, which was awesome. Um, when I was studying my Cert 3, I studied with an awesome bunch of people at Fit College and there's quite a lot of them doing really great things in the fitness industry, which is really cool mm-hmm. because they say something like 10% of students actually make a career out of the industry. So it's pretty low success rate. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. But out of the group that I studied with, I would say that like maybe three quarters of us are working in the industry and doing really cool stuff. So that's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Really good group. Um, So I was approached by Luke, who I work for at the moment with F45, and he approached me about starting to work for him. I started to work there very casually and we were really quiet at the start. He would kind of message me the night before and be like, well, we've got 10 people. You better come in. It's going to be pretty busy. Um, But it was really nice to be part of that business from the day they opened um, to now where it's a really busy, really successful F45. Yeah. So while I was working at F45, I kind of started to work there a little bit more and a little bit less at my hospitality job as a chef until I quit that job and started working more full time for F45. And I've always had like little side hustles on the side. So I've just, yeah, queen of the side hustle. Um, I did a little bit of cafe work. Um, I used to do meal prep for all of my friends. Did you? That's cool. Yeah, like a little uh, illegal meal prep company <laughs> where they I would just that. come and pick up their food. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, because that was kind of, you know, using my chef skills yeah. and uh, helping my friends with their fitness goals. Do you still do that now? <laughs> no. So people are always asking me like, can you just come and cook my food? Right. I would love that. I could, but <laughs> I don't have the time. No. So yeah, then I started working full-time for F45 as their studio manager. So kind of gave the side hustles away and mm-hmm. just focused on that. So after about five years of doing that, I'm always looking for the next thing and what I can do next. I'm never really happy staying stagnant. Uh, so I decided to study nutrition just to further my skills. Yep. I did one course. I really enjoyed it. And then I went on to do another course because I wanted to learn more. And then I decided to start a side hustle with a nutrition business online. So I started developing an ebook with Emmy, who we had on the last episode. Yes. So she spoke about her uh, kidney transplant, but she's also very talented as a photographer and food stylist. She's a woman of many talents. Yes, she is. Um, and she helped me do that. So that was kind of, again, combining my love for cooking and my passion for helping people achieve their fitness goals. And we've just released another ebook, which is really exciting. Um, in mid 
2022, so mid last year, I decided to scale back my F45 hours to half mm-hmm. um, so that I could focus on my business a little bit more as I slowly gathered clients. And I started with a mentor, Meg, who has been absolutely instrumental in helping me um, develop my business. She has just been so fantastic and generous and forthcoming with all of the information that she's gathered over the years of just out there doing the thing. Yeah. So that's been epic. And then I decided at the beginning of this year to drop my hours again. And I was just working at F45 very, very casually, mostly because I just love the community of the members there. It's been a really big part of my life for the last seven and a half years. But I just made the decision this week to end that chapter and finish up at F45. So it feels like a big leap, but it means I'll now be full-time self-employed with Fitty Teagues, which is exciting. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, My passion falls in female weight loss and confidence. I've worked with over 100 one-on-one clients now and just that realistic balance between achieving your goals and enjoying your life. So I'm definitely not someone who's going to tell you to go out and eat nothing but chicken and broccoli. (laughs) I do teach my clients how to enjoy the food that they love and enjoy social outings around also achieving their goals. So my focus is just continuing to upskill and to study at the moment. I'm doing my pre and postpartum uh, PT certificates so I can take on more clients in that space as well. And I'm just really excited to see where my business takes me next. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my history as seven and a half years in the fitness industry, eight and a half years as a chef in the hospitality industry, which also taught me a lot about how to relate to and, and manage people, which is really helpful in my role as well. Yeah. And that's, I guess, why you feel like it's appropriate to ask me some of the questions that we're going to discuss today. Yeah. And I'm very excited personally about you doing the pre and postpartum. You're going to have another baby. Oh, God, no. But I feel like I still, even what, a year and a half after having Soul, I feel like I still deal with a lot of those postpartum issues, which we'll probably touch on as we go. So definitely. So I've been wanting to uh, pick your brain for a while and this is part of the reason I want to do the podcast with you because... Free um, PT. (laughs) Yes, I just want to um, get all of your advice for free. No, I know that uh, friends of mine, particularly Ash, who we're going to have on as a guest, I know that she got so much out of working with you prior to having a baby, while she was pregnant, after having a baby. Uh, So as I've mentioned, I had Sol 18 months ago and I had a really rough pregnancy. I had hyperemesis. So I basically threw up from the moment I woke up until I went to sleep (laughs) and sometimes in the night. So I was in hospital quite a few times, really dehydrated on a drip. So obviously didn't uh, work out at all. Health kind of went by the wayside. I was just surviving. I had a lot of frozen Coke. That was the only thing I could really keep down. And then after having him, I think, you know, having three kids, it was really hard to get back into health and fitness. Totally. And obviously with my health issues, which um, we've discussed a little bit of, I've also got some pelvic issues after having Sol. So yeah, there's a few challenges there, but also I think I've mentioned to you, sometimes I think I do use that as a bit of an excuse in my head. And there is a bit of anxiety around exercising and stuff like that just because I get a little bit worried, you know, what if I'm out there on a run and I suddenly get sick? But totally. I would just have to deal with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And basically I just need help restarting. I was quite fit before 
especially before I had Oscar, I loved to run. I really used that to help with mental health. I found that I ran best when I was angry, like just working through some stuff. And I used to love doing yoga, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So I feel like I kind of just want to get back to that place. I'd like to be even better. I want to be able to do triathlons. I feel like that's my next thing that I'm kind of working towards, being very inspired by Emmy. Yeah, she's very inspiring. Very inspiring. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just yeah need some guidance getting restarted. So firstly, let's talk about restarting and the concept of restarting. And I have a bunch of quotes that I like to lay on my clients regarding this. Yes. So you aren't starting from scratch. You are starting from experience. Okay. I love that. And it doesn't matter how many times you have to start again. You only ever fail if you stop trying altogether. So even if you fall off the wagon 100 times, the 101st time could be the time that it sticks. So it's about continuously just having a go. I feel like that'll already put me in a better mindset because I think even last week on the podcast I said I'm starting from zero. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think people often say that they're, you know, starting from scratch or even you said just before, like, I want to get back there. Yeah. And it's important to remind my clients that there's no past version of ourselves that we need to get back to, that we're continuously evolving and changing and growing as people. And it's about working on our next best version. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So I guess my first big thing is like, how do I get motivated? And then once I'm motivated, how do I stay motivated? Yes, this is a great question and I hear this all the time. Um, So in order to get motivated to start your journey, I think it's really important to find your why and get quite deep with it. Mm -hmm. So let's just put you on the spot here for a little (laughs) bit. Yeah. So why do you want to get fit and healthy? So actually I was talking to Kev about this yesterday, so this is good. I'm a little bit prepared. There's a few layers to it. First of all, I'm always telling my kids how important it is to be active and I feel like I need to like practice what I preach in front of them. I want to do it for mental health reasons. Yep. Just I feel like I've done all of that other work, seen a psychologist, I'm on medication and I think that the next step is treating my body better, working out and eating what I think I already eat quite healthy but... I think that there's a lot of room for improvement there as well. Yep. Uh, And then thirdly, I think I just want something for myself. Um, As a lot of our listeners who have kids would know that uh, it is quite hard to keep things for yourself. And I think probably the only thing I really do is not on your writer, the music trivia show that I go to. I thought you were going to say edit the podcast. Yes, edit the podcast. I, I I love doing that and I do spend a lot of time doing that as soon as they go to sleep. I don't think it's self-care. <laughs> it's probably not self-care. Yeah, I don't think there's much that I do for myself and I think I, that's probably another excuse that I use to not work out. I'm like, oh, I can't find the time. But yeah, I totally. think I can. So let's go back to the very first one you said because that's something that we can get deep with and it's something that our listeners will be able to relate to. So why is it important to you that your kids see you practising what you preach? Oh, why is it important? That's a really good question. I think it's just important to lead by example and it's easier to listen to someone if they're doing what you say. Like Magnolia often, she's quite fussy, especially with food, Sometimes for dinner, I'll cook her amazing, you know, healthy meal, 
protein, carbs, lots of veggies, and she won't want to eat it. And she'll say, can I have cereal? And I'm like, you know, no, because you need to grow big and strong for gymnastics. And um, I'll be like, look, mummy ate all of her food and she's very sassy. And she said, but what do you need energy for? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she said that to me the other night. And I was like, well, to function as a mum and to take you to all your things and look after you. But obviously it'd be great to be like, oh, no, to work out and exercise like you do. Um, And it would just be fun to take them along for the ride. Like in COVID, before I had Sol, we walked White's Hill Reserve, which is um, kind of like a wilderness walk near where I live. We did that all the time and it was just a really nice thing to do as a family. Yep. So it's about modeling the behaviors that you want them to have rather than just telling them that they need to do it. Yeah. And what would be the consequence of you not modeling that? Well, I feel like they'll stop listening to me and might not put as much effort into their own, you know, health and fitness and the sport that they do. Totally. Yeah. And especially for Magnolia, sport's a really important aspect of her life. Yep. Uh, she's not, I mean, she's super, super, super intelligent, but academics at school's not really, I mean, she's only in prep, but it's not really her thing, the reading and the writing. And at the moment, I just really want to focus on what she's really good at and she's really good at gymnastics. So I'm all about you know, making sure that she's putting as much as she can into that and really enjoying it so that it can boost her confidence. Totally. And I think if she sees my confidence boosted and me feeling better by working out and doing things for myself, then she's going to feel, you know, motivated to do that too. Yeah. So if we were to like stretch it out, we're saying like it's important for you to model these behaviors, to to go back to the very start, to practice what you preach. Because essentially if you don't, then they won't. Yeah. And then the consequence with that is that they become adults that have the same struggles that we have if we're not looking after our health and fitness. Yeah, that's so true. That's it. continues. Yeah. So it's all good and well to say like, well, so my kids see me doing it, but then you ask yourself, but why? Yeah. And then again, but why? And then get that really deep sort of consequence of, well, this is what happens if I don't do it. And then with your motivation, you're not kind of asking yourself, why must I do it? It's more like, well, what happens if I don't? Yeah. What are the consequences? It's really, I mean, that was hard to think of answers then, but it's really good to have you ask me those questions because, you know, you go deeper and deeper. Yeah. I wanted to put you on this a little bit, which is always hard. (laughs) No, no, that's good you know, now I'm thinking of it more from that angle. And I think it's probably good for them to see that I've got something for myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You want them to grow up to be individuals and have their own hobbies and interests and, you know, things that they just have that are just for them. Yeah. And again, it's about modeling that behavior. Yeah. And I think especially like, I mean, for both, all of them, but probably for Magnolia because, you know, I think it's really easy to grow up and get absorbed in your partner and in your family and totally. Yeah. So, and probably for them, because Kevin and I have been together forever. It took a long time for me to not find myself outside of our relationship, but remind myself that I'm an individual. That you're Alex as well as mom, as well as Kev's wife. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think we've kind of already hashed into like, how do I stay on track? Instead of asking yourself, like, how do I stay on track? Like I was saying, what are the consequences that if I don't stay on track? 
where will you be in one year from now if you don't make change? Where you, will you be in six years from now if you don't make the change? And work on it from that direction because the thing about motivation is it's going to come and go. It's never going to be there all the time. And if we only exercised or we only ate healthy when we were motivated, well, that's probably why we do have an epidemic of obesity because yeah. we have a lot of people that are relying on motivation. Whereas if you go into the gym and you see the people that have really good physics and take really good care of themselves, odds are that 50% of the time that they're there, they probably don't want to be there, but they have the routine of showing up continuously, not just when they are motivated. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think I think it's so hard to start, but then I know that I always feel so much better after I've worked out. And I think I have to really remind myself of that. And totally routine brings back motivation as well. Once you start doing the thing, you'll start enjoying it more. Yeah. I think it's also really important. Just the last one on staying motivated or getting motivated is to share your goals with those around you. And like sharing with Kev, this is what I'm excited about and sharing with the kids. And that's a little layer of accountability for you as well. But it also makes sure that everyone in the household is aligned to your goals. So we're talking more about training in this specific instance, but say with nutrition, if you're really focusing on your nutrition, but your partner was constantly bringing home, you know, cakes, (laughs) cake (laughs) warm. You're like, yes, I love cake. Yes, I love cake. (laughs) But or say if to relate it back to fitness, like if you had planned to go for a 30 minute walk every day, but Kev said, let's watch Jeopardy (laughs) in that time slot. Yeah. It's really hard for you to achieve your goals. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's really funny because I've been talking to Emmy since the podcast and the other day we were chatting about me swimming and I said, oh, I'm going to go for a swim on Thursday and suss out, you know, my fitness levels so I can decide uh, what, if I want to do the mini or the, what's the name, the sprint, you know, in October for the triathlons. And she was like, oh, what pool are you going to? And I was like, oh, probably Clem Jones. And she's like, what time are you going? And I was like, probably like lunchtime. She's like, oh, I'll come with you. And I was like, God damn it. Now I have to go. (laughs) So um, there's a lot to be said for having an accountability buddy or having a training partner, because if it's yourself, it's very easy to let yourself down, yeah. but it's a lot harder to say to someone else, I'm not coming. I mean, some people seem to not struggle with it, but that works well for I me. I hate letting people down. Same. Yeah, it kills me. And actually, I'm just going to be super honest. I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go. <laughs> I didn't bail on Emmy. We didn't end up. I think she got super, she's super busy this week. She um, is, yeah. With all the kidney. Donate family. life yeah. week. Yeah. Donate life week. And uh, um editing our photos and editing our photos yeah and so I didn't let her down but I let myself down and I was like oh all of my togs ride up my butt when I swim (laughs) anyway I'm going shopping on the weekend and then I have no excuses okay so another layer of like making sure that you follow through on your plans is to set a specific time and a specific date and place on where you're going to do it. So I'm going to hold you to that. I'm okay. going to message you, yeah, you can message over the weekend and make sure you lock something in. Okay. So I guess my next question is how many hours of exercise a week should I aim for in the beginning? So I don't think that there's a cut and dry answer to this. I think that the idea is best to start small and build up from there. Um, it's going to be realistic with what you can achieve. So what you can fit in your week, it's no good saying I'm going to do five, (laughs) one hour swims per week. Yeah. If you can only manage three 20 minute swims per week with your schedule, 
Um, and it's also really important that you start small from a body perspective and that you need time to recover and you don't want to overload your muscles too quickly and then be really sore and not be able to like complete the next session. So start really small and realistic. I like to say to my clients, just build momentum and focus on being 1% better than you were the day before. So say in your first week, if we were to stretch it out over the course of a week, say if you did two sessions in your first week, then we might go to three sessions for the third week and the fourth week and then build it up from there. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And in the past, I have gone too hard my first time back. Burnt out. Yeah. Got shin splints. Yeah. And then not being able to work out. Like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to inch myself if I go back to it. So classic self-sabotage. <laughs> yes. So it is really important as well that you do plan ahead of time and time block, especially for people that do have a busy calendar. If you're saying, I'll just work out this week when I have time, we all know that mm. it will never happen. Yeah. Um, so pop it on the calendar like you would with any of the kids sporting um, things that they have on or any important appointments that you have. Make that appointment with yourself, put it in the calendar, make sure everyone is aware of it and make that commitment to showing up for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I, I would never miss gymnastics for anything. So I think I have to be, I mean, for Magnolia. So yeah, totally. I should be as strict on myself. Totally. And so if I can only dedicate three sessions out of the house a week, what should I be doing? As in what sort of like exercises? Yeah. Yeah. As in what sort of exercises? Okay. So I would say for anybody that's especially getting straight back into movement after having an extended period, I would go with what you enjoy. Don't make it something that you're not going to look forward to. Otherwise, you're not going to be excited to do it. So find a form of movement that you enjoy, be it swimming, walking, weights, a gym class, yoga, Pilates, whatever it is that you enjoy. Movement is important and movement is movement. It doesn't need to be the most optimal form of movement when you're first getting back into it. Yeah. And we love walking. Like as a family, I feel like that's something that's really easy to do. Like we'll often walk from Kangaroo Point into South Bank. With your dog? Uh, no, <laughs> no, with the kids. <laughs> Poor villain. It's so hard to, to go out with a dog and the three kids. She'll just like trip them over. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's really difficult. But Kev takes her for walks and I can start taking her for walks. The poor thing's probably traumatised because I did take her into Wyatt's Hill when she was, I don't know, four months old and I dropped Magnolia at kindy and I was like, all right, we're going to do a really big walk. And I, my friend had taken me on this new track that I hadn't been on. So I thought, okay, let's let's try this again. I took Villanelle and after about 45 minutes I realised I was really lost <laughs> Oh, no, so you guys were just wandering around. We were just wandering around, like, in the back of nowhere and I didn't have any reception on my phone and poor Villanelle was exhausted. So, so I, for those who don't know, White's Hill is bushland. Bushland, proper bushland, in the, like, kind of back of suburbia. So I ended up walking until I could see some houses and went and got reception and I was so far away. It took me almost an hour to get back to where I was. And Villanelle, I think she slept for, like, the next two days. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so she's probably like, I'm never going to walk with you again. But, yeah, I wanted to ask, is walking, like, is that a good way to get back into it or is it not really? Does it depend how fast you're going or is it okay just to go for a walk? A hundred percent I would recommend walking as a starting point for anybody. Okay, cool. Don't underestimate the power of steps and what they can do for your fitness and your general wellness and even if your goal, which your goal isn't, but for people that have a fat loss goal. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the easiest way we can work out. We can cram it into 15 minutes. Like you can do it on your lunch break. You can park a little bit further away. You can take the stairs. Yeah. Don't underestimate steps. It's the easiest way that you can 
get out there and get moving again. Yeah. Okay, cool. And if I wanted to work out in the most optimal way, like what could I be doing now? So I would recommend for anybody that wants to just train in the most optimal way, it's always going to be weights training. It's going to be the most effective way to train for a 17-year-old boy to an 80-year-old woman and everyone in between, especially as the podcast is focused around women. It's really important that women load their bones and train weights and that's going to reduce their risk of osteoporosis as they get older, which is really important. But also as we go through menopause later in life, we do start to have our muscles atrophy, which means they start to break down very slowly. So we need to be doing weight training and consuming protein when we're young to make Mm -hmm. sure that we're prepared for that process when that starts to happen. I didn't know any of that. So, and I have so many more questions, but we'll save them for another podcast just about um, osteoporosis and stuff like that. Women and weight training, we could probably do a whole app on that. Oh, yeah, I'd love Definitely. that. My one quick question with weight training, and I kind of thought this before when you were talking about your fitness training and how you said that you wanted to learn how to be you know, confident and what you did at the gym so that you could just walk in. I think one of my big things, like I have a gym membership and I've never weight trained because I'm so nervous to what go. What gym is it? Clem Jones. Okay. Oh, actually, I have all of the gyms because Kev has a My Fitness passport. Oh, cool. So I can go everywhere. Love that. That's yeah. my dream. Yeah. No. Anyway, so I have a you know gym membership, and I'm too scared to go and look like an idiot and not know what I'm doing. This is so relevant to this week for me personally because I had a huge gym fail this week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me in a gym. You kind of have to have a base understanding of how the weights work to get this, but hopefully you will. Yeah. So I was doing bench press. Yes. Which is my favorite lift. That's good. That's (laughs) a good start. So I was doing it on a barbell on the bench um, and I was by myself. So I didn't have anyone to spot me, which is fine. I do that all the time. Okay. I was going quite heavy. Yeah. I know what to do if I fail, but it's never happened before. Okay. So I failed in that I couldn't lift the weight which was fine. It came down to my chest. I rolled it down to my hips and I like hip thrusted it off and I put it on the floor. Okay. That's not the embarrassing part. Okay. So I took the two smaller plates off the end so it wasn't as heavy. Yeah. But I didn't put the collars back on that hold it on and I still had a plate on either end. So I've cleaned the bar up and I've gone to walk it over and put it back on, but it's overbalanced and the plate's gone off one side and then it's gone off the other side. And they've both fallen on the floor no. and made this huge bang. Oh and everybody God. who's just looking at me with this bar and weights going everywhere because I did the dumbest thing and oh. I'm a PT. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better because if you can do so something I, oh, embarrassing like that. then So the moral of the story is I could have just left, which I did consider. <laughs> However, everybody in the gym does not give a fuck about you. Yeah. They are too worried about themselves. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest message. No one is looking at you. Everybody is looking at themselves in the mirror. But also remember that the gym is a really supportive environment in that everyone is there to better themselves. Mm -hmm. So even the, you know, the big steroid guy that you see in the corner not doing any legs, (laughs) he's there to improve on himself. And you'll actually find that most people that are in a gym environment are very friendly. But even if they're not, they're not going to talk to you. They're not looking at you. They're not worried about you. Everybody has their own problems and just do your thing, girl. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll keep that in mind. Some gyms do have like a little women's room. Yeah, okay. As well. But I wouldn't be afraid to be out there on the floor with the blokes. Like, okay. I kind of like it when there's a guy next to me and I'm bench pressing more than him. (laughs) 
I love that. Well, maybe one day I'll get to that stage and then I'll feel but yeah, better. I would, I would totally just, my biggest advice there with gym confidence is to just, you know, firstly get a coach and this isn't a plug for my own business, yeah. but if you have a program, then you, you know what you do. Yeah. So you don't go in there and you don't have to look for, mm, what am I going to do today? Like you've got a little thing with the demonstration of the exercises, you know, that you need to do yeah, this many reps and this many sets. And this is the way that I did last time. And if your coach knows that you're a beginner, they're going to set you up with stuff that's really easy and a lot of machines and not a lot of free weights. And you won't have to worry about that bench press situation. Okay. So that's always a good way to start is to have that confidence or go to a group fitness gym like F45 or FitStop. It's a really good way to start to build gym confidence in that you're going to have a coach there teaching you all the movements. And then after that, then you can go and apply them to a commercial gym training by yourself once you've got the technique down pat. I was so scared of those places until all of my friends, you know, started going there. And like, obviously knowing you, it's much less intimidating. And you know how you were saying that it's a really nice community there. So many people uh, that I know through school and everywhere go there. So it's it's the best community. Yeah. I'm going to be very sad not to be seeing everybody. So if I want to get back into running, what's a good way to do that? Oh, good question. You know, I love running. I do. So despite the fact that I do love running, I'm not a trained running coach and I am always very conscious of giving advice within my scope. Um, So I don't give too much specific advice on running. However, I do sometimes help people that I know are a little bit experienced with running get a program to get them to like half marathon or a full marathon. But for a complete beginner or someone starting from scratch or experience, I would recommend a program like the Couch to 5K. Okay. So that's a program. Yeah. So it's just really good in starting you slow and progressively overloading you, which is obviously really important to ensure that you don't get injuries. So especially with running, if you go out too hard too early, it's a recipe for disaster with injuries and DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. That's Mm -hmm. soreness you get. When you walk like a duck. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I would start with one of those programs definitely, and they just break it down. It's going to be like... Maybe you might run for a minute, walk for a minute, and you just build up from there. Okay, cool. Yeah, They're really well set out. All right. Yeah, that would be awesome. So we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but considering the fact that I've not exercised much since my C-section 18 months ago, and I've had a lot of pelvic issues since then, what's a good way to work around that? So I would say first and foremost, before you try and like work around it, I would go and see a women's health physio or like a pelvic specific physio. Okay so that you can find out what you need to do and what you need to avoid. So there's often exercises that we need to be doing that's strengthening that on the inside and they'll be able to tell you what all of those are. And there might be exercises that you need to avoid, which aren't things that you necessarily think you need to avoid. So obviously a lot of things affect our pelvic floor and like there's the obvious ones like jumping and hopping and a lot that women that have kids struggle with and need to change. But there's also like really heavy lap pull downs and stuff that you wouldn't think can be really like have a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor. So I would definitely get that looked at, see if they can give you exercises to help you start strengthening that and give you some guidance on what you can and can't do. And then from there, I would take it from there, potentially with a coach as well. So as I kind of said before, I am looking at tidying up, working on my nutrition a bit. Like what's some general advice that you could give? Like I know that mine's a bit tricky because of the dietary requirements, but just in general. Yeah. So good question. And as you were saying, like your specific dietary requirements are very um, specific to you. (laughs) Yeah. 
So in general, it will obviously be dependent on your goals, but if we're looking from an optimal health perspective and just to be as healthy as you can possibly be, I would encourage everyone to look at their nutrition from an abundance perspective versus a restriction perspective, which I think is really interesting for most because I think when they think about improving their nutrition, they immediately think about all of the things that they need to cut out of their diet, right? And that's often, especially with clients that I work with that do have fat loss goals and and I encourage them to calorie count. Calorie counting kind of has this reputation of being very restrictive. Yes. However, what I'm doing with most of my clients is I'm saying to them, we need to add protein in here. We need to add fruit and veggies in here. How do we fit in your soul foods as well so that you feel like at the end of every day you're really looking forward to having that Fredo frog after you've had, you know, your big plate of veggies and your meat. Yeah, I'm big on treats. Big on soul foods. (laughs) Big on the soul foods that I can have. And I love that. And you've mentioned the eating for abundance before. And I tell everyone that. You you probably couldn't call them soul foods in your family because people would just think that they're food (laughs) for for baby baby soul. soul. (laughs) He loves his food. But I do like to use the term soul foods and, and that abundance perspective. So instead of looking at what you need to take out, look at what you need to add in. And that could even be specific to you personally, like even though you have restrictions with what you can and can't have, you need to look at, well, out of the fruit and veggies that I'm allowed to consume, how do I ensure that I am getting those fruit and veggies in every day? Out of the, you know, meat products that you can have, how am I ensuring that I am getting enough protein in every day and not relying on foods that are convenient or I guess for you, we want all the foods to be safe, but falling back on poorer quality foods mm. because they're safe for yeah. you or for other people, it'll be more because they're convenient Yeah, um, and look at what we, what our body really needs. Yeah. That's definitely my biggest thing is eating those convenient safe foods. Like mm. I will grab a protein ball that I know I can have and I'll eat some like Red Rock Deli honey soy chips because I know they're one of my safest foods, but obviously I'm not getting a lot of nutrition from that. So yeah. So it's about looking at like not taking those things away to say like, look, let's halve this portion of Red Rock Deli chips. Let's still have the protein ball, but let's make sure that we're going to get enough fruit and veggies and enough protein in as well. Because then you're looking at what you can add in to really thrive from an optimal perspective. And the, the restriction part of it thing might be just that you need to change the portion sizing on your soul foods so that you're more towards that sort of 80, 20 balance of really good whole foods. And then the foods that you really love and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I can definitely apply. So yeah, I don't want to lose any weight. I do want to focus on building muscle and toning up. Uh, So what would your advice be for that? Ooh, that's a good (laughs) one. So the idea of toning up, it's something that we hear all the time in the fitness industry and there's just no magical way to tone up. (laughs) Essentially when you're toning up, you're going to build muscle mass and then you're potentially going to need to strip away body fat to be able to show the muscle mass that you have built. Okay. So for the lay person, they might come and be like, I want to tone up. Yeah. And what they're actually giving me is two conflicting goals. Right. And that they need to build the muscle mass to look the way that they want to look. And then they need to lose the body fat to be able to reveal that muscle mass that they've built. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So yes, but everybody's like, how do I just tone up? (laughs) Like it's this magical thing that they do. And I think especially for women, they think, oh, I don't want to do a build phase and I don't want to build muscle because I don't want to end up bulky. Yeah. 
And I can tell you for a fact, like it's not going to happen. I've been, I've been training consistently for the last 10 years and I haven't put on much muscle in that time. It's okay. very hard to do. Yeah. Of course, there's women that gain muscle really easily. But for most of us, it is really quite a challenging process. Mm. So the idea of toning up is, yeah, two conflicting goals. Yeah. So you would need to focus on one or the other. So for yourself, obviously, you don't have a lot of body fat that you need to lose. So you would need to focus on building muscle mass. And to do that, you definitely need to be eating specifically. Yeah. And you need to be eating in a calorie surplus, meaning you're eating more calories than you're burning. I like that idea. (laughs) Yes, and you need to be eating a lot of protein. Yeah. Which is not, there's not actually much in protein balls. Isn't there? Okay. So can There I... might be six grams and you might need ah. 120 grams in your day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Would you recommend? So obviously to build muscle mass, it's not just as uh, simple as eating in a calorie surplus. We could do that, but we would probably just gain body fat if we didn't have the stimulus of weights training as well. So if that was your goal, um, you wouldn't obviously be able to achieve that through walking. You would need to be doing weights training with applying progressive overload, which means consistently lifting more weight than you were before in appropriate rep ranges for your goal. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> what do you think about those products that say apply this every day to tone your skin and your muscles and stuff? Are they just like complete? Like creams? Yeah, the creams. Oh, they probably make your skin feel firmer. Right. They might like have a caffeine ingredient, but are they going to actually tone your muscles? Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, you see so many of them come up on Instagram. I mean, maybe me because I'm... I was going to say that's not in my algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) They're in my algorithm. There's also a very nice Chanel 5 ring in my algorithm at the moment. I'm like, has Kev secretly bought this for my... There's Have you been near his phone? (laughs) Chanel 5 I'm always near his. I will now. I'm like aura ring, aura ring. Oh yeah, we want to get aura rings. Yeah, we want to. Talk, I want to talk about that actually because this is going off on a different tangent. But I want to talk about the period tracking because I think it's amazing. Oh, that's why I want the aura ring. Yeah, yeah. I just had a little thought and I said to Kev, so it predicts your period is yeah. the reason why I want to get it, and I think why you want to get it too. But I can you imagine having that in high school? having a ring that tells you, like, I'm going to buy it for Magnolia when she's, you know, at that age, because just the thought of knowing when you're going to get your period, when you're in high school, like not having to sit there being like, oh my God, did I just get my period? Am I going to get my period? Can I wear pink pants today? Like, is that safe? Like, totally. That would have changed my life. Yeah, I think that definitely a change in periods and it shouldn't have been that hard. Like we can still predict it via apps and yeah. you can still get ideas of when it's coming based on your cycle length. But mm. like why were we not educated on that? Why, like, were, we why were we I was forever terrified of sitting down. Yeah, I was terrified <laughs> of standing up. And I remember- and I never had anything happen to me. I know like people have had like horror stories, but I was just like just imagine that would be mortifying. Oh, I remember- I used to get so paranoid and I would stand up and like kind of pat my mm. skirt down as I stood up. And I remember one time doing it and a boy making fun of me being like, oh, I'm filling my butt. And I was like, fuck you, dude. You have no idea. But like just imagine having period undies yes. and being able to wear them yes. as like a safety net. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked for the women of the next generation I'm just so for period happy. undies like that's yeah. amazing and even just the fact that pads were so traumatic oh yeah i yeah 
even tampons, like so unreliable. Yeah. I, yeah, I did have a few incidents and just the trauma. I think only two things happened to me in high school. Like, and I don't think anyone else would have noticed, but. No, they probably didn't. No, they just, yes, scarred me. I I was put on the pill at a really young age to be able to skip periods for swimming carnivals, which is just like. Ah, right. Anyway, let's park this. This is a whole nother. Yeah, yeah. So we just touched a little bit on the protein balls, but should I be stocking up on any supplements? Like that is actually something I know a little bit about. I don't know a lot about health and fitness, but I used to manage Healthy Life, you know, the... um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, at Carindale when I was younger. I think I was a member there. Oh, were you? I didn't really use it much. I probably served you. And my thing was selling protein powder. Okay. And I got like the highest sales in Queensland a number of times. I don't think it's because I was like remarkably fit or anything, but I was just a very good salesperson. Very chatty. Yes, very chatty. And Sell I, us to an Eskimo. Yes, that's me. I won a an iPad for selling mm. the most protein powder and having the best display. So that's a little bit, you know, something I know about. Um, so yeah, do you recommend protein powder and creatine and stuff like that? Or I was going to say, you're probably more qualified to talk <laughs> on protein powder than me. Yeah, I do know a bit about it. But I, I think one of the things as well, just in talking about what I need to get started, sometimes I am one of those people with fitness, like all the gear and no idea. You know, mm. I go out and like buy all the stuff yep. thinking that's going to motivate me and it doesn't. Like, is this one of those things or do I actually need that stuff? So if you think about like a pyramid of what's important, like the pillars of doing the thing are going to be way more important than supplementation. So you've got exercise and diet, sleep, stress, and then a lot lower, you're going to have subs. Okay. So people do kind of get excited and they're like, I need to go and get all these subs and (laughs) that's what's going to make me fit. Yeah. But they're pretty low on the scale of things that are important. However, in saying that, as I was saying, like it's really important for us to consume enough protein and protein powder is the easiest way to do that. Okay. And it's not to say that you have three protein shakes a day, but if you were supplementing with one protein shake a day, on average, it's like 28 to 30 grams of protein in that shake for 150 calories. So yeah. it's a really efficient way to get your protein in. It's also really good quality protein. So protein isn't all made equal. Mm-hmm. We have different amino acids that make up proteins and then mm-hmm. there's complete proteins and incomplete proteins. So a vegetarian, for an example, uh, might be having beans. However, that's not an complete protein source and they might need to have beans and rice in order to get the amino acids required to be a complete protein source. Okay. That being said, protein powder is very, very good quality protein. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely recommend it. It is a little bit of an acquired taste. Yeah. So I recommend to my clients to start out with to have your protein powder with a milk, like a lower calorie milk if they're in a fat loss phase, but if they're not, then they could have any milk. Yeah. In a blender, bit of ice makes it more like a milkshake. Yeah. It's pretty hardcore to do the protein and water. Yeah. That's what Kev used to do. Kev used to just take his little shaker with, and not even like a really yummy protein. Like I used to sell some really good ones, like cookies and cream flavor, but he would just get whatever like strawberry and mix it with water and like, oh, I could not. I used to make mine like very fancy. I'd add spinach leaves. Make it like a smoothie. Yes, and I loved it. It was like a little ritual and yeah. yeah. That would be something that if like if you have one that you can have with your allergies, I would definitely be implementing that straight away. Yeah. Is it something I could put into like I make acai bowls? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. 100% blended in there. 
That's an easy way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And then that acai bowl could go go from having essentially fuck all protein to being a meal that is really high in protein. The thing about protein is it's important for us to maintain and build muscle mass. Mm -hmm. It's also important for the creation of all the cells in our body, but it's also the one thing that's going to keep us satiated throughout the day. So if you have a protein-rich meal, you're not going to be hungry an hour later. Whereas if you have something that's missing protein, that's when people really struggle with hunger and snacking throughout the day. So for people that do have a fat loss goal, even if their goal has nothing to do with building muscle mass, protein's still going to be really, really important. Okay. All right. That's good to know. So is there any books or anything that you would recommend? So for a health and fitness journey, there are two books that I would recommend. The first one would be Atomic Habits. It's about healthy habit creation and it's about getting rid of some really negative habits as well. And he gives like really fantastic tips in there. Recommend that to everybody. Yep. And the other one that I really loved was I Am a Badass and it's more of a mindset book, but I think that people would find it very effective in their health and fitness journey as well. She also has like specific ones. Like I did, I'm a badass at making money, which is really good for money mindset, but it's essentially all about mindset and your attitudes. I think that's really important part of anybody's health and fitness journey. Yeah. I would recommend doing uh, personal development books via audio. Okay. I don't know why I can't read them. Yeah. I well, I think I'm kind of the opposite because I can listen to podcasts and everything, but if I'm listening to an audiobook, I zone out so much I have to rewind it like 10 times. Uh, I have yeah. definitely done that before where I have to consciously make an effort to listen. Yeah. But like on a walk or on a drive, I love like a self-development book. Yeah. If I'm reading it, I'm like, nah. Yeah. Because I think for me reading is a really um, relaxing, wind-down leisure time yeah. where this kind of feels like, I mean, it's work worth doing yeah but it kind of feels like well especially for you because it's you know this is all kind of your job and your industry so for you it probably does (laughs) you're so lucky I love it it's the best yeah and we've talked about one of my self-sabotage things like you and I being um watching tv so I could definitely swap out a little bit of tv for reading some self-development books because mindset's something that I'm really working on at the moment which we'll discuss in another episode as well Definitely. Even if you do, like I set a goal for myself at the start of the year to do like 15 to 30 minutes per day of a like self-development book or podcast. Yeah. And that just makes the world of difference to your attitude. And when I haven't done that for a few days, I can feel like that I'm not as strong in my mindset or I'm not as optimistic. And yeah, see, I feel like I only rely on those things when I'm going through a hard time. Mm. Yeah, like so I need went, to be more like I need to be proactive. more consistent. Yeah, because I had an issue, you know, it's been going on for a, a few months now and when I was really struggling with it, I found like a Mel Robbins podcast on how to Love do, Mel Robbins. Same, love Mel Robbins. I found, yeah, a podcast episode that related to that issue. So I listened to it religiously for about a week until I changed my mindset on it and then I stopped and then the issues kind of come back in the last few weeks and I was like, oh, if I had it just consistently, yeah, then I had to like start again. Yeah. That's okay. You're starting from experience. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this has been a lot of fun and I know that I've gotten so much out of those questions that I got to ask you. Anyway, guys, I hope that you've all enjoyed this episode as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please make sure you subscribe to us on any platform that you're listening to us on. And to keep up to date with all of the latest bread and better news, you can follow us on Instagram at bread and better podcast. We trust that you've got a lot out of the episode today. So if you feel like someone around you needs to hear it as well, make sure you send it on to them. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Hello. Productions. Hello.